welcome to episode 61 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Week one of pre-season is done and it's just wet our appetite for the real thing. My name is Cameron Holmes. My name is Paul Mitchell. We continue our preview of the season this week, looking at how things will pan out in the East. We'll hear exactly how each of the eight teams across the AFC and NFC East can win their respected divisions. Yes, even the Dolphins. We'll then put our necks on the line and share how we think things will actually go. To do this, we are joined by NFL Scotland regular New York Giants fan from STV. Welcome back, Jamie Borthwick. Delighted to be back. And to add the fourth voice and opinion to the mix, we're delighted to be joined by star of the fantastic View from the Terrace podcast and TV show. Welcome to Craig Fowler. Craig, we always ask our new guests some questions. So first question, what got you into the NFL? Uh, my dad used to watch it in the mid-90s. And so I watched it a little bit, but I was only about nine or ten at the time. So, you know, watching it. You know, every time something happened, kind of thing. But then we went on holiday to Florida, must have been around about year 2000, 2001, and it coincided with the first weekend of the NFL season. So we pretty much, there was a, there was just the two of us that went to Florida, so there was a, like a Disney, one of the Disney resorts that was like a sports bar thing. So we just went there and just kind of watched the NFL all day and all weekend, pretty much. And since then, I was, I was hooked. So which team do you follow? Uh, Dallas Cowboys, because... When I first watched it in the mid nineties, when they were they were doing well, they were always in championship games and stuff. I thought I'll follow them, and I've never even been back to a championship game, let alone a Super Bowl since. Now I know you played at university. What position did you play? Uh, we uh, I played linebacker, which I think shows you how much smaller it is when you play with people at university in Scotland rather than uh, in America. Brilliant! Glad to have you along. Thanks for coming. Right, so we're going to kick off episode 61 then by looking at things in the AFC East. As we did last week, each person has been given their teams. We'll all have three minutes each to make a pitch for why that team is going to win the division. And of course, we start with our guests because that's the only right way to do things. So, Craig, you're up first. (laughs) Who's your team, first of all? Uh, I'm going to have to... Say why the New York Jets are going to be good this season. This should be fun. Lucky you. Your three minutes starts now. Right, well, I think the Jets will win the division uh, because uh, I think they're. It's been a tumultuous summer, but I think now you've got everybody at the Jets organization kind of focusing in the, in the same direction. So you had the, the previous GM, uh, Mike McCagnan, uh, that's how it's pronounced, uh, and kind of head coach Adam Gase, kind of button heads, didn't see eye to eye. So McAgnan's now gone. Uh, weirdly, he went after the draft and after he'd signed free agents, which he wasn't particularly good at doing the last three years. But I'm, I'm here to say why they're going to win the division, not why they're going to be a, a continued train wreck. Um, but they have brought in a, a new GM and Joe Douglas. He is, he's made a couple of moves so far. He's made a couple of trades looking at strengthening the offensive line. He's a former O-lineman himself. And uh, something that we'll talk about a bit more when we get to the, the Dallas Cowboys. I do like... GMs and coaches that prioritise offensive line. If you, if you don't have a good line, then everything else can fall apart because your quarterback doesn't have any time to, to do anything with it and your running backs are insane, etc., etc. All kind of, for me, the offence starts there. And speaking of offence, they made a few free agent acquisitions in the summer. The probably biggest name one would be Le'Veon Bell, who is certainly, if he still got the ability that he had a couple of years ago he's not played since 2017 but if he does then he's certainly a game changer on his day one of the few running backs I think in the league that you can't just kind of plug them in with an average guy and get the same production he's he is above that level if he plays well then you should be expecting a a jump this season from Sam Darnold because he showed signs last season but obviously he's still a young QB is going to be improving further and you're looking at one of the second year jumps that you often get from guys going into their second year. I mean, if you look at some of the some of the greatest quarterbacks ever, Peyton Manning, his first season wasn't anything compared to his second. I think it's the same for Troy Aikman, uh, numerous other examples throughout the years. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick my neck out and say he's gonna have that jump and he's gonna he's gonna prove his worth to the Jets franchise. I like the fact that he's he's been talking up his weaknesses as well, so he's been working on parts of his game. He wasn't happy with the zip he was getting on his throws, and that was something that he did struggle with, was getting throws into tight traffic. Having worked on that, that should hopefully improve part of his game. Also, on the defensive side of the ball, they've got C.J. Mosley coming over from Baltimore. I think he'll be a, a massive addition to that defense. Hopefully, will improve them. And just things getting better on both sides of the ball, things getting better in the front office, the coach... Being a bit happier, can concentrate on coaching. I think just everything together there 
points to a much better season for the Jets. Two minutes and 45 seconds. Not a bad <laughs> effort. Um, if you listened in last week, you'll know that a few of us struggled to do it within the three minutes. So well done, Craig. Solid start. Straight on to you, Jamie. And you've got the enviable task of having to convince us how the New England Patriots are going to win. Yeah, well, you know, calm down, guys. Calm down. <laughs> this isn't fair. <laughs> <laughs> I had to lie for nearly three minutes. <laughs> so your time starts now. Bill Belichick is a wizard. He has got witchy energy all over that place and everything that he does somehow pays off. No, they're, they're back to exactly the same blend. They've got thoroughbred talent next to really, really keen, brilliant personalities that Bill Belichick manages to bend to his will and make turn into greater than the sum of their parts. But the sum of their parts is still pretty great. Tom Brady is now 42 and he's had a sort of almost partial restructure that means that this could be his last year. I think that's another motivating factor for him, for Belichick, for the entire team. He could stay on longer, of course, and when you look at the you know the physical state of him, I think he probably could, which is insane. So yeah, he that that the fact that it's almost a partial contract year for Brady is another thing. They've lost Gronkowski, obviously, and the the the. the they're always going to play through the through the middle lines, so they've still got great guys who can play that, like Julian Edelman. Rex Burkhead has showed that he can run routes in there, no bother. And I'm just going to make sure that I get this guy's name right because Nkeel Harry, Nkeel, great name. Um, he, <laughs> he'll probably <laughs> he'll probably play on the outside, but he can run inside routes, absolutely no problem at all. The offense is absolutely still going to be on point. The defense is probably where they, they, they work their magic the best because they take in these guys who maybe haven't worked elsewhere and they turn them into just utter, utter machines. All of the um, ingredients are still there for them to do that. And again, it's about the opposition as well. Okay, the Patriots are going and they're, they're smashing opposition in, in the in the other conference. But Miami improving enough to get up at them? No, they're not. Are the Jets improving enough to get up at them? They'll maybe be improved, but no, they're not getting close to the Patriots. And then there's Buffalo as well. Um, <laughs> it's not going to happen. New England Patriots are going to win the division. I don't know if I can stretch this out any longer. So <laughs> I'm not sure you need to. <laughs> Take it there. Two minutes and ten seconds. So, solid, easy performance there from the Patriots once again. And you mentioned and Buffalo. So, we'll just get straight into the next one, and that's me. Um, and I think it says something when you get the Buffalo Bills and you're not even unhappy because there's worse teams in the division. So, my three minutes starts now. So, last year, the Bills were 6-10 and ten on the back of a winning season where they made the wildcard slot. But if you look over the last 20 years, the Bills have finished second with seven wins. They've also finished fourth with eight wins. This division can be tight. Well, if you take out the Patriots. And exactly what the Bills are going to do this year is take out the Patriots. They've not won the AFC since 1995. That's 24 years. Only the Lions have a worse longer streak without winning their division 25 years for them they stink something terrible but someone goes from worst to first so it could be the bills this year let's look at the threats john brown over 3,000 career yards 22 touchdowns career average catch of 15 yards a carry that's more than keenan allen michael thomas odell beckham the list goes on zay jones into his third season had seven touchdowns last year he's a threat cole beasley or wide open cole beasley as he's often known seven seasons with the cowboys is a slot threat He's got over 23 career touchdowns. Running backs, Shady McCoy, over 10,000 rush yards and 69 touchdowns. 3,500 plus yards, receptions and 15 touchdowns. He's 31 years old. Then there's Frank the Tank Gore, 14,748 rush yards. He's going to go above 15,000 this year. And see when it's cold up there in Buffalo and you're a linebacker and you've got a cold Frank Gore running straight down the gun. You're getting out of his way. There's no two ways about that. So Devin Singletary, who they picked up in the draft, 66 touchdowns he scored at college. 66 touchdowns in college. That's in three years. Kareem Hunt only got 44. That was in four years. Zeke Elliott got 43 in three years, but that's still substantially less than Devin Singletary. Barkley only got 43. He's a threat. Then there's Christian Wade. Christian Wade, 65 yards touchdown on his first carry in the NFL. Another running back that the UK can get excited about. And don't worry, 
I don't think that slow-born Christian way that is quite going to take off in the same way. He's the best thing to come out of that town since David Brentho. NFL records, right? Let's move on and look at Mr. Allen himself. So Josh Allen is the first quarterback to rush for at least 95 yards in three consecutive weeks, week 12 to 14 last season. Most rushing yards by a quarterback in a three-game span. He's got Bills franchise records. Most rushing yards by a quarterback in a single game. Longest touchdown pass by a rookie quarterback. First quarterback to lead the team in both passing and rushing. Most rushing yards by a quarterback in a single season. Most total touchdowns by a rookie. Boof. PFF have got the Bills ranked as the 15th best defence, which is right up there beside the Browns. Um, they've picked up Ed Oliver. They need Tremaine Edmonds to get up and step things up as well. But look at the schedule. Jets away. Giants away. Bengals at home. 3-0. Patriots at home. Maybe they've not quite warmed up yet. 4-0. Titans away. 5-0. Bye week. You're laughing. Dolphins at home. 6 Eagles at home, fine, tough one. Redskins away, there's seven. Browns away, mm. Dolphins away, eight. Broncos at home, Cowboys away. They've got Ravens at home, fine, the tough game. Steelers away, Patriots away, Jets at home. An 11-win season for Buffalo. They're going to win the division. I feel violated by numbers. <laughs> I liked when you got angry. You were angry at how much your stats were showing and how good they are. Yeah, I mean, I like the fact that you talked about Josh Allen's rushing yards. I think there's not a category called running away yards. Because, <laughs> let's be honest, that's what it was. Yes, a, a solid one. Right, anyway, let's complete this. Paul, you've got the Dolphins. Let me ask you a question. Are the Dolphins rebuilding? Are the Dolphins tanking? No to both questions. Let's face facts. The Dolphins are getting ready to move up one place to take the AFC East top spot. What? You forgot they finished second last season? They had seven wins after 13 games, then seven wins after 16 games to end on seven and nine. They chucked away a winning season by dropping the final three, Vikings, Jags at home, and then in Buffalo, with the only thing worse than the Dolphins that day was the droning voice of Beth Moens on commentary. The Dolphins wasted momentum from their Week 14 win with a miracle in Miami against the Patriots, with the Gronk defending with all the sincerity of Boris Johnson's speech. Even the sublime Pam Oliver would have asked postmas questions, what the hell was that? Now, the Dolphins back in 2008 became the first team in NFL history to win their division and make a playoff appearance following a league worst 1-15. They are a team that can beat the New England Patriots. So, the Dolphins can beat the Patriots. The Golden Boy has an Achilles heel in division. It's the Dolphins. So let's start by saying the Dolphins can split with the Patriots one and one. The Jets and Bills can be handled. You're five and one in the division. Now, let's get to the clowns at the NFL scheduling department who think home and away is a TV series rather than a viable scheduling option. The Finns have four of their first five at home. They'll start strong, they'll take care of division opponents, and with the Giants and Bengals in 14 and 15, they'll have the division wrapped up before they have to go to New England. Right. First year head coach will be a positive. Now, the Dolphins facility has a parking space that's labelled for first year head coach only. It's used so often there's no point in repainting the bay. Uh, he was part of the Patriots dynasty. He's got four Super Bowl rings. He's hired Jim Caldwell, who himself has coached the team to the Super Bowl, although the former Lions head coach is currently battling health issues and will be a consultant for the season. Now, the new quarterback, Josh Rosen, should become the first ever top 10 draft pick at quarterback to start for two different teams in the first two seasons. Three and 10 last year after he got the starting job, passing completion 55%, 11 TDs, 14 interceptions. Now, he was playing in front of a line less credible than a Bernie Sanders soundbite, so the quarterback named Chosen Rosen became Chase Rosen. Chase Rosen then became Chuck Rosen as he was discarded. He'd sent to Miami for a dozen Ryan Tannehill jerseys and a bag of underinflated footballs that the Patriots had left behind in the rush to leave after the humiliating loss. He's a man with a point to prove. His line will be helped by Michael Dieter, the guard from Wisconsin. They have talent. Remember, last year they started with Ryan Tannehill and Brock Osweiler and still won seven times. The defence struggles, I'm not going to lie, though I think they'll be better this year. Dolphins last year gave up more big plays than Manhattan's Theatre District, but they've got Pat Graham, who's of extensive experience with the Pats, Giants and Packers, and he's learned an awful lot. He'll put that exactly into practice. So Miami fans, it's been a tough few years, but honestly, get ready. You are going all the way. The Patriots are going down, and you've taken the title. Three minutes on the dot. Lots of politics in there as well for oh, us to digest. Oh, nice little bit of politics as well. I feel violated by similes. <laughs> Funny, that's how I felt when I wrote it. Anyway. <laughs> right, so we've heard the nonsense. Now, um, realistically, guys, is there anyone other than the Patriots that's going to walk away with this division? 
I liked Jamie's line about Tom Brady and the physical state. Now, physical state in Scotland, when you call somebody a physical state, (laughs) (laughs) is one thing. When you go to New England and you look at Tom Brady, he doesn't look like he's breaking down at all. I think he looks fitter than he did in his 30s. Yeah. He's he's reached another level. He he just looks, I mean, wonder what he's going to look like in his 50s. (laughs) You know, he just looks amazing. And I think for all the points you made, there is not a weakness in the Patriots. And the other thing is, I don't think, despite the fact that I've tried to talk the Dolphins up, there's not really a credible alternative. I think over the last few years, Miami's had a little nibble, the Jets have had a nibble, the Bills have had a nibble, but nobody's been able to make that jump to credible contender. And I think the Patriots must absolutely love that. It's still a continuation of the the story that this is the Patriots until they recede, until they step back, until they regress slightly on their performances because there isn't anybody mounting really anything of a solid group of people that can actually go and win every single week. I think all of these teams will win a substantial amount of games. And, you know, looking through it, as I said, the Bills have finished second with seven wins and fourth with eight, which is just crazy to, to win eight of your games in a season and finish bottom of the group. Um, it says something. It is a tight division, but it tends to be tight between the three with the Patriots way out top. And I'm not sure anyone's gone far enough. The, the X factor for me is actually the Jets and Levy and Bell. Um, but Adam Gase, for me, is... Yeah, and Greg Williams as yeah. well. It's just going to be a nice, tranquil place to go into work all the time. I think they've got a chance. I mean, talking about I mean, the Bills with Christian Wade and the touchdown that he scored, to be honest, I could have scored that with the gap that he got. I mean, it was impressive. <laughs> to be fair, he would have reached the end zone quicker than me. <laughs> but the blocking was there. But good to see it, and it'll be interesting. That's a really interesting transition from Rugby Union into the NFL. You're seeing this more and more. They are scouting all around the world for transferable skills, so it's really yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's desperate to see someone make the leap. But yeah, I mean, the, the real the real test will come when someone hits them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And the other thing I should bring you up on the Frank Gore thing, you talked about nobody wanting to get near Frank Gore, you know, on a cold winter in Buffalo. How are you going to start Frank Gore? Is he like <laughs> an engine, you know, be trying to turn it over, turn it over, turn it over, turn it over. He might get going eventually, but come on. Yeah, he's still old enough to have a manual choke. <laughs> and that's the way that he runs. Um, but I, I can't believe Frank Gore's still doing it. He's 36. Okay, and he still too. keeps okay, going. Too. He really is. I wonder how much of it as well is because when you look at the Bills on on the run game, they've really improved things. And obviously, Allen can run. But if we've seen any snow games, that tends to be up there in Buffalo. And the one thing that you want to be able to do in a snow game is run the ball through the snow. So if you look at their um, their fixtures as well, and right at the end, you know, the last game of the season, they're at home to the Jets, they're away to the Patriots, they're away to the Steelers, they're at home to the Ravens, all through December. You know, in theory, you get a bad winter and they could all be snow games. So you never know. Possibly, possibly. Right, okay, enough on the AFC East because we think this could probably be a quick one. We'll start with our guests first of all. Craig, who are you pitching? Hey, I am pitching the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, me. no, sorry, oh, wait, for sorry, the AFC Oh, it's champions. Right, sorry, Patriots. That's Patriots for me. I gave this a lot of thought, <laughs> and I'm going to put my neck on the line, just to be different, because I supported them for a day, the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it is the Patriots for the clean sweep. And then we will move on to the NFC, but don't worry, Craig, you went first last time, so you get to go last this time. All oh, right, well, I've already <laughs> spoiled it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, on this one, um, we're going to start, we're going to reverse order. And Paul, you're going to kick us off with the Washington Redskins. Well, there were arguably two teams in Washington last year. There was a good one and a bad one. They started with a two-and-two. They then won four of the next five games. And mid-November, the Redskins were in the driving seat. But broken legs, Alex Smith, Colt McCoy, they then won one of their last seven to end seven and nine. So what we're going to get this year, we're going to get the team that started six and three or the one at one and six. Well, you've got to look at those last six losses because that tells you a lot. A two-point loss at home to the Texans, road losses to Dallas and Philly, but the thumping at home by the Giants, I think, was the last straw for Washington. Now, to be fair, they did start Mark Sanchez, um, who basically just picked up the playbook and no more, but they were shut out by the Eagles 24 to nil to bring the curtain down and with it, the lighting, the rigging, the walkways and the whole theatre. So... I read, when I was looking into this, I read a great line basically saying even Donald Trump couldn't drain the swamp that is the Washington Redskins. And 
you've got to ask, what have they done to get better? And I'm trying to put a positive spin on this. So Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State is the future, although I think Case Keenum will start. They're away to Philly, home to Dallas in Monday Night Football against Chicago. So I think you'll see Dwayne Haskins probably from week four. They need their O-line to be there and they need them to be healthy. Uh, they had the league-leading number of injuries to offensive players by Washington. Now, the return of Paul Richardson, the receivers, are very positive. Their excuse from injuries as well should help. Now, I mean, he was great in 2018, uh, or sorry, 2017. He lost 2018 to a torn ACL. They think he's going to be very good. Adrian Peterson also bounced back. This could be the home that Adrian Peterson has been looking for. And watch out too for Jordan Reed, Vernon Davis, the tight ends. They are really, really stacked. But on defense, where they needed to get better, Montez Sweat, uh, plug and play, simple as that, an edge rusher. He dropped the 26 in the draft due to health concerns. He's my round one pickup steal of the year, similar to Lamar Jackson last year. Jay Gruden, it's all or nothing for him. This is his sixth year. He's won the division once. He's really got to go for it. But the problem with the Redskins, and this is where I'm going to go slightly negative, is they tend to find a way to mess things up. Even when you've got a slight goodwill factor, um, they then pick up Ruben Foster from the 49ers, who cut him under domestic violence um, incidents, but he's blown out his ACL as well. They've got their problems. The stadium's not popular. It's a long way away, but we're trying to overlook all of that and say that the Redskins have the time and the talent to come forward. However, they do need to get a job done with Trent Williams. The 31-year-old tackle is currently sitting out OTAs at the moment. He claims that the staff are not good enough, especially in the training department, and that's why they've had so many injuries. So get rid of the staff, get new staff in, and he'll come back, and it's all rosy in the Washington Garden. And once again, the Redskins will be the powerhouse they need to be. Oh, pardon at the end there to try and stretch it out, but you're gonna. I'm most impressed that not once did you name drop your pal Josh Norman and the fact that you interviewed him. He didn't make. He didn't even get a look in. D- to be fair, I did actually. I've got a picture of me and him on Twitter. I must, <laughs> I must send it to you. Uh, I know we're going to talk about other things, but we need to come back and talk about the Washington Redskins stadium stuff. Right. We'll do that at the end. Okay, but it's me up next, um, and I've got I think an easy task with the Eagles, who of course finished nine and seven last year. Um, finished second, but they obviously got into the playoffs, and really, they were only one touchdown away from making it to the championship game. Ran the Saints close when previously in the year they'd been absolutely destroyed. The key thing for the Eagles is going to be Carson Fence. Is he back? Yes. Is he fit? Yes. He's been practicing without limitation since May. The back injury does seem to be out, which is great. Um, but last season, perhaps more important than Vince, was the Eagles' D. You talked about the fact that the Washington Redskins had more injuries on O-line. I don't think anybody had it worse than the Eagles' D. Rodney McLeod gone by week three. Ronald Darby went down in November. Derek Barnett didn't last very long. Jalen Mills, too. He was taken out mid-season. Um, but like I say, they still made it to the playoffs, and they were still just one touchdown away from going to the championship game. The schedule is what I'm going to look at next, though. So Redskins at home, Falcons away, Lions at home, Packers away. You know, what are they going to be? Who knows this year? Jets at home, Vikings away under Cousins, Cowboys away. Do they have a quarterback or a running back? Nobody knows. Bills away, Bears at home. Okay, there's a tough one. Patriots at home, they'll do them again, I'm sure. Seahawks at home, Dolphins away, Giants at home, Redskins away, Cowboys at home, Giants away. Last four, all in division. So I think they'll have this tied up even before they get to those final four. But let's come back to Vince. So Vince in 2017. We'll take out 2016, his rookie year. 2017, 33 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, 3,296 yards in 13 games, a quarterback rating of 101.9. Now, last year we thought, oh, Vence isn't quite himself. He's not really good. There was a bit of chatter about locker room problems and things like that. Well, in 2018, he played fewer games. He got 21 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, still got over 3,000 yards in 11 games, and 102.2 in the passer rating. So if he continues to increase his QB rating this year... It could be brilliant. And let's just say, you know, he wasn't 100% last year. Cody Clement wasn't 100%. We lost Jai pretty early, so they had problems at running back. But they still did really well. Now, let's think about Vince this year. They've got a really solid front five. Behind that, they've also got... 
I can't even speak. I'm so excited. Alshon <laughs> Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, Deshaun Jackson, Jordan Howard, and Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz has just sent a tight end reception record with 113 last season. Deshaun Jackson's back in Philly. Even at 32, he's a deep threat. Over 10,000 crew yards, 53 touchdowns. Last year, average 18.9 yards per catch. That's the fourth highest in his 11 seasons in the NFL. Jordan Howard is 24. He scored 25 touchdowns. He's had over 3,300 yards in three seasons. Eighth best defense, according to PFF rankings in 2019. Eighth best offense, according to Bleacher Report. Eight and eight? Nah, mate. I reckon they're going 13 and three. That's bold. Definitely bold. 13 and three. Right, I did that well in <laughs> three minutes. So, Jamie. because you speak really quick. I know. And you get excited. <laughs> I do get excited. I lost. I managed to even stop and clear my throat briefly. I'll edit that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So, Jamie, um, you've got the enviable task, <laughs> or unenviable task, sorry, the enviable task of the Patriots. Unenviable now because it's your very own New York Giants. Yeah, let's see if I can get anywhere close to the excitement levels that you showed there. Okay, the New York Giants are going to win the division because of Saquon. I'm not finished. <laughs> Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> Saquon Barkley <laughs> is the best player in the NFL, and that doesn't count for nothing. Um, they build around, and they and they have they have finally got round to rebuilding the O line after what feels like forty odd years. Um, they're now an O line that's fully stacked with starters, as opposed to just plugging in a random with long hair on right tackle and hoping for the best, which has been. The uh, incredible tactic of the last what five out of the last six losing years. Um, no, that that's going to make a huge difference. They're going to make huge holes for them. They're going to get them into the into the running game. But they are obviously going to need a little bit more than Saquon, and they do have it. Eli has got the starting job, and having genuine threat behind him and Daniel Jones, he's responded in camp and he's given the best numbers he has done in camp for ten years. That is huge because he's going to be a little bit more confident that he's not going to get spanked onto his ass every time he gets the ball in his hands. And Daniel Jones has just come in and had like a, a perfect passer rating in the first preseason game against the Jets. So he's showing that he's not just there to, to hang about and learn either. He is genuinely going to be pushing him. Um, the loss of Beckham opens up. You know, Sterling Shepard to be the the number one man. He's got the mentality to handle it, but there's going to be lots of lots of people who are stepping up as well. Golden Tate's in there to provide lots of uh, experience, and uh, Cody Latimer's been showing up really well in camp and in that preseason game as well, which shows that there are guys who have maybe been hanging around, wondering if they're going to get another contract, who are also going to be able to to contribute this time around. In the defense, they lose Landon Collins, replace him essentially with Jabril Peppers, who's Excellent, probably it's a slight downgrade, but they're thinking better in the in the in the um, uh, in the locker room, um, and that's all going to work out for them fine. And they've stacked the the, the linebackers with guys that they know well from. Um, oh, it's the defensive coordinator. Doesn't matter. He was at the Cardinals, and he's brought in all guys that he knows from the Cardinals. He had them going brilliantly that time around, and. Obviously, that means that they're definitely going to be brilliant this time around as well. <laughs> They've stacked both lines because they um, Schumer and Gettleman were both on the same page there that it's the hog mollies that win you the games. They've looked after both lines. They're going to look after their talent, a generational talent, and a guy called Saquon Barkley returning this full circle again. The Giants are back, baby. They're going to win the division. Now, this doesn't uh, obviously come across in a podcast, but you should see the straws all over the floor that Jamie's <laughs> desperately been trying to grasp onto there. Saquon, you know you've got it made when you're just known by one name. <laughs> and that's it. That, that should just be enough. Right, before we get into the talking points then, we're back to our guest Craig. You've got three minutes with your Dallas Cowboys. Tell us why they're going to win. Okay, so when the Dallas Cowboys started their recent kind of era of moderate success, which is to say they weren't a complete joke, which is better than a lot of what's gone on the last 20 to 25 years, it was built around a really good offensive line. Jerry Jones made it his his goal to, to improve it in the draft. He took a number of players that people thought were perhaps a reach, but it turned out to be a very wise strategy. 
Not only did it help them in Romo's final few years when the defense was a complete joke, it helped them keep the defense off the park because they were running the ball so much. It also helped Zeke Elliott and Dak Prescott settle in. Now, last year was a success. They finished 10 and 6 and made the playoffs even won a game, unbelievably. But the O line wasn't at his vintage self. Travis Frederick was out for the entire season. He's back now. And Zach Martin and Tyron Smith, both pro bowlers, they were playing last year, but they were both hampered by injuries. So they didn't quite have the same protection for Prescott. They didn't quite have the same holes opening up for Zeke Elliott, and they still played well. So with them back this year, there should be improvements. But, and this is the X factor for the Cowboys this year, and this is a thing that could turn them from potential division winners to potential Super Bowl winners. They have a new offensive coordinator. Gone is Scott Linehan and his incredibly boring and predictable play. In his place comes Keller Moore. Now, he is a first-time coordinator as far as I'm aware. He comes from being a specialist coach instead. But he has talked about being more creative with the offense. And they certainly need to be. I mean, Dak Prescott, he's never going to be a top-five QB for a sustained period because he's just not got the arm accuracy to do that over... 10 years like a Tom Brady, like a Peyton Manning, like a Drew Brees. What it can be is somebody who has great years from time to time when he has a coordinator who knows how to get the best in him. A lot of play action, a lot of Dak using the the skills that he's got where he really kind of, he's similar to Romo in that sense, that he really kind of excels at what they would call sandlot football. And when plays break down, he makes the most of it. Uh, I'm struggling to see the time because the selection on it. <laughs> two, <laughs> two minutes, 10 seconds, right. Um, and I think Dak as well, he gets a lot of stick, but... He's somebody that does come up in the clutch time and time again, even when he's having poor games. And I'm expecting him to have a leap this year under an offensive coordinator who knows how to get the best of them. Now, obviously, there's a big question mark over Zeke Elliott. I mean, with two years left on his contract, I really don't think he's going to be holding out until the, until for two years because he should know that if he's going to get a contract that he wants, he's going to need to maybe return to the field for one more season and prove that the, all the analytics guys are wrong and that you need to have a really good running back and score up 2,000 yards, get to a Super Bowl, and then that way he will get paid. Uh, and I'm running out of time, so I'm just going to say Michael Gallup's going to make a step up and the defence, they've pretty much got all the same guys back again. So there you go, that completes the set. Um, all of us made our pitches, uh, all of them viable in some way or another, I guess. I thought it was an interesting line there about getting rid of a boring, experienced defensive coordinator and replacing it with a young, experienced guy. It's like getting rid of Craig Levine and putting in Ian Cathro, is it not? Wrong sport. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> um, so where do we go from here then? Actually, I'm going to touch on one thing right away that you brought up that I thought was really fascinating. Daniel Jones did play really well in that preseason game. Yeah. And there's been nothing said about that. Yeah, uh, mainly because it, uh, it was a front line offensive line up against this second line um, defence. Let me go back to the other sport again. Luka Tankulic one played, once played well against Man City. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay, fair yeah, enough. I'll be, I'll be interested to see how Daniel Jones does against an NFL team. No, listen... <laughs> Listen, the the, 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 the the ridiculous like the, the, the wailing and gnashing of teeth over Daniel Jones oh, was, has actually done him a favour because yeah. he's never going to be as bad no. <laughs> as people where I had him as, as you know, as nowhere near a, a sixth. Like in actual fact he's been doing fine, he's been coming along, he's not going to be a starter, but he's probably going to make it as a as, as a starting quarterback eventually. So yeah, that that'll the, the the fact that people weren't so outraged at him going so early is actually going to help him in his early days. So a couple of other interesting points there. And I think looking at this, being realistic personally, I do feel like it's between the Cowboys and the Eagles for this one. I think that there's enough problems in Washington, there's enough problems and gaps in New York that it's going to be a difficult task for them to, to achieve it. Saquon Barkley is the one guy that can make the difference because Eli doesn't have to be spectacular. He just has to be decent. And Barkley. <laughs> that ship sailed about four years ago. <laughs> I'm not saying it's likely. I'm just saying, you know, they can crank the expectation level down on him a little bit. I, th I think Washington, again, it's hard to say because injuries have so much of a part, but I think, you know, you've got to probably park Washington and park the Giants and then say it's the Eagles and the Cowboys. The Cowboys in this, the Ezekiel Elliott thing, I mean, he's apparently what, he's either in Cabo or he's in the Salvation Army kettle at the end of the, the touchdown area, <laughs> um, you know, looking on. That's just not good. You've got months to get these things mm. done. Yeah. Now, unless they have already done a deal and they're just playing it out for 
theatrical, you know, in, in the column inches and stuff like that. But you just don't need stuff. And then, of course, apparently, you know, the quarterback wants 40 million a year. They're offering 30 million a year. It just seems to be a strange time of the year to have your two best players involved in contract disputes because that will get right through the team. And I think that's where probably Hans Philly the, the advantage at the moment. Does that stuff worry you, Craig? Yes, I think you would like to have them both happy and under contract. Um, although, when it comes to Dak, yeah, I can under, yeah, the 30 million, he's turned it down, he wants 40. That's just the way that the any half-decent quarterback who comes up to get paid gets paid lots because the market keeps going up and up and mm. up. So if they don't take that contract now, like if he takes 30 million in five years' time, that might look quite cheap because it's just everybody's just getting ridiculous deals. And if he sees, you know, your likes of your, um, what was his name? Cut uh, Cousins, for example, <laughs> getting a huge contract, he's going to say, well, you know, I'm better than him. So I can understand that. So it's a bit it's a bit disappointing that they didn't manage to get him on the contract. But I don't really have much fear about Dak. I do have fear about Zeke because he's not exactly known for having the best professionalism and temperament anyway. So if I said earlier, he might he won't hold out for two years. I mean, Zeke Elliott might hold out for two years. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that Levy and Bell could do, he could do twice. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, but I, I can certainly, I'm certainly more sympathetic with the Cowboys with that one because you don't want to mortgage your future on overpaying a running back. Mm. Everybody tells you nowadays, don't overpay a running back. Uh, and he wants... He wants money the same as Todd Gurley. That already looks like a horrendous contract. It's only a year in. So, yeah, the Cowboys are right to hold out. It'd be interesting to see what he does, what his move is there. Because I really can't see the Cowboys, even Jones, who loves to overpay his players, he's even said he's, he's not going to do it with Zeke. So I'm interested to see what the next chess move is. Paul, for you, you obviously touched on the, the Washington thing. The stadium you feel is too far out of town. Yeah, I mean, I, I've... I was in Washington earlier on this year and you fly over and it just seems to be out in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And it's in Maryland, it's not in D.C. itself. And I was having a look at the, the stadium. Now, they were talking about doing certain things, trying to get them back into D.C. There's only eight miles between the old RFK stadium and the new FedEx field, but it does seem to be even further than that. It's a long way out from a transport point of view. Um, Washington took some seats out their stadium last year and still didn't sell out their opener. You know, I mean, that, that is fairly horrendous. It's in Landover, Maryland. It doesn't expire until 2027, their lease there. But when I was looking this up, there was a politician who was trying to get them back into D.C., and it was almost a done deal. They had an artist rendering of the stadium, which was basically going to be in the RFK um, plot. And beside it, it actually had a moat and somebody surfing in the moat. <laughs> so I have no idea what they think they're, they're going to get there. But... <laughs> I, I do like the fact that uh, they've actually fired a guy called Brian Lafima, uh, who was brought in to improve the team's stadium experience and its relationships with fans. But however, he decided to brief journalists either off or on the record that actually their season ticket waiting list, which everybody talks about in Washington, was a complete and utter sham and there wasn't one. Uh, so he got binned as well. They are completely dysfunctional as far as that's concerned. But they are trying to get back into DC because nobody appears likes FedEx Field. Last talking point then before we put ourselves on the line. I touched in my bit about Carson Vents. Um, obviously he had a really good 2017. 2018 there seemed to be loads of locker room chat. Uh, disagreements with players and things like that but a lot of those players still there that chat seems to have gone away um, he had a decent 2018 obviously got injured again and then missed the end Nick Foles came in and Nick Foles time and carried them a couple of games through the playoffs uh, how important is he to 2019 and do we think that he's right and ready? I would have kept Nick Foles that's my, my opinion I think he's a proven quarterback and he's done it for you this is a league that's all about now and I think Carson Vents, if you were going to have the shootout between Vents and Prescott, at the moment, I think Prescott gets the nod simply because of his experience. Um, and I think this division will come down to the games between the two of them. Philly have had good stability, and, and the NFC East is always unpredictable. There's always a team that you don't see coming, and what they've had over the other three is just that extra stability. There's there's mild chaos at all of the other three teams. Philly, even when they and they get and they do get setbacks, they just seem to be able to plug in and play whoever, and that's been their major weapon. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right, time to put ourselves on the line. We'll do this in order as well, so we'll start with you first of all, Paul. Um, this feels 
I mean, if it was bad enough defending the Miami Dolphins, I'm now going to have to tip the Dallas Cowboys. That's how bad it is. So Cowboys, I'm going to stick with my Eagles. I think I do think the Eagles will will see this through. I think I think you touched on a good point there, Jamie. The fact that there's not any disruptions or distractions this year. There's not many teams can see it, but at the moment the Eagles can, and I think that should be enough to see them through. Giants, I've convinced myself. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Stick to it. Quite right. <laughs> Surely that's not your answer. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I've been running through all the other teams and I literally can't get myself to say any of the others. Running through the other teams like Saquon Barkley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Saquon, please. Just Saquon. <laughs> <laughs> that's all that's needed. There's no apostrophe. <laughs> and Craig finished us up with the obvious. I'll go Cowboys. Absolutely. Right, that's everything settled in the East. Perfect. Well, the news in the NFL is all about the top and the tail the head to the toe of Antonio Brown. So I don't know which end you want to start at, because let's be honest, you could talk about both. But when have helmets ever been such an issue in the NFL? I'm not playing unless I get to wear my helmet, said Antonio Brown. But he quickly decided to reverse it because he realised that probably $20 million wasn't going to be deposited in his bank account. He is a definition of an NFL helmet. <laughs> yes, he's a, ha- a handy metaphor for himself. I was uh, about to say, helmets have long been an issue in the NFL. I think that his whole summer, since he learned that the cameras were going to be in at the Raiders, has been about earning himself um, a reality TV show. That's the only way that I can I can explain all of this. He's been turning up to camp in a hot air balloon and behaving in general like... <laughs> I, I just hope he doesn't get cold feet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's far too obvious. Yeah. But how, how can you go into a, a chamber that's supposed to help you with incorrect footwear and your feet just blister beyond belief? So as a wide receiver, I don't know. I mean, being able to run is quite a good thing for a wide receiver. You know, um, I didn't sit O-grade biology. I was fairly thick, but even I could figure out that you need your feet to be able to do that. How can you be a professional athlete and look after yourself in that manner. First of all, O-grade, you're showing your age. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm showing my experience. Let, let's, let's, not, let's not go there. Um, yeah, perhaps he refused to wear any shoes other than his own shoes into the chamber as well and uh, ignored the safety regulations. I think it was fascinating, and, and you've touched on a really good point. I've seen episode one of Hard Knocks, and um, obviously it came out last Thursday. You can get it on Game Pass, it was on Sky. But it felt a little bit more contrived than some of the other seasons. Right from the start, there's the the sort of big speech from Gruden around all the players, and you're like, do you know what? He's he set that up. He knows the TV, like some of these other guys don't. Yeah. And it reeks of playing to the cameras more than any of the others have. And I know there's an element of that. Of course there is. There's no way that what we've seen over all these great shows is natural 100%. But it felt a bit hammed up at times. And maybe Antonio Brown's just sort of said, you know what, I'm going to be a, a bit, I carry on my attitude from last year, my big name player thing, and run my mouth and do what I need to do. Because he's he has backed down instantly, and he's expected back to the, yeah. the training today. As soon as pretty much everyone's gone, nah, you can't have it, uh, there he goes, straight back into it. <laughs> I mean, that's your Hard Knocks narrative, isn't it? I mean, everything yeah. in Hard Knocks is going to be about Antonio Brown. So he's either a genius or a fool. I, I just can't make my mind up which. In the pre-season, we asked, pre-season, the way back, I think it was about March, we asked whether he was a ball bag or a belter. And I think that <laughs> remains to be shown, you know? Well, the official answer was ball bag. It was ball bag at the time, and I'm not sure that many people would change their mind. Um, again, in Hard Knocks, you see him running, and the coach is having to say to him, slow down, you're recuperating. And he's like, no, I run fast. And it's like, Antonio. Um, and you can just see the frustration from the coaches. And yeah, stuff like that. That's the ego just outweighs. And it comes down a lot, even with the, the conversations about contract that we were having earlier. And sometimes the ego just outweighs what's the right thing to do in this situation. And clearly Antonio is doing all the wrong things at the moment. But even, you know, there's a piece in uh, Hard Knocks with Derek Carr where he's going like, oh, you know, we played together at the Pro Bowl and he said, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could do this? And oh, shut up, whatever, <laughs> clown. So, um, yeah, I'm not convinced. Your tolerance level's down yeah. a little bit at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Got angry without numbers yeah. there. I know, it's great. I, Evolving. I, li- I like angry camera. It's very, very good. What I think we need to do is, is get in touch with the producers of Hard Knocks and see if we can get the word ball bag <laughs> into the series because I think that would be just the most Scottish thing ever. That would, that would be good. I'd like that. 
So other news items coming up then. Anything taking your fancy? You know what? It's the time of year where you just get the same tropes time after time after time. Player X played well in week one of preseason when they didn't play against anybody in particular. Um, the story I'm looking at at the moment, Andrew Luck, Colts Luck throwing the absolute heck out of the ball. He's a quarterback. He's played in the NFL. I'll tell you what. He's also pretty good. Yeah. I I hope he would be able to throw the heck out the ball. Because if my quarterback couldn't throw the heck out the ball, I'd be a tad concerned at this stage. So it's just all these tropes that come through. You know, know, people are talking about, you know, the Bears kickers and all the the circus that's going on with the kickers. And it's just, it's actually quite a tired time. You've got to try and cut through the nonsense to try and actually find where the good stories are. And usually around about this time of year, there's not oh, a man, lot. Of it's guys getting injured, really, and that's all. Yeah. That's, all mm. that's all it is. The the, the the whole preseason games are just so boring. They're so. Well, where where do you stand on say making it two preseason games and going to an eighteen game regular season? Well, I don't know. I I I survive pretty well by just ignoring the preseason games. <laughs> um, I don't think you can make the regular season any longer, but <laughs> maybe a shorter preseason would stop the, the boredom month from happening and could get could more and more drama going on leading up to the. I, I, I don't know, but it's sort of like Nations League games. So yeah, it's kind, of like, <laughs> kind of competitive, but kind of not. At the same kind time. of yeah. pointless in the end. Yeah, there you go. I or you could have a preseason game in the Pro Bowl and decide which one was more boring. <laughs> <laughs> Social media vote. Probably. I only ever, I mean, it's interesting. People ask me, did you go to, you know, whatever game, you know, Hibs Newcastle or, you know, whatever. I say, I'll go to pre season friendlies for one thing, one thing alone. That's if I'm getting sent to work and I'm getting paid. Yes. <laughs> I am not going to a pre season friendly no. for any other reason. I know why teams are going to play them. Um, the other problem in, in the States is they charge good money mm. for pre season. I mean, it's incredible. It's like, it's like having a, a London West End play with a regional cast. You just wouldn't, you know, you just wouldn't go down that route. Um, so I'm full, I'm full Bill McAllister mode from <laughs> the BBC. I'm just loving all of this stuff today. Um, but it does. I, I, I'm like you. I try and ignore it because the big thing is week one. You just want week one to arrive. The preseason is just noise and rumble. You are trying to figure out because let's be honest, how many training camp battles are there that are going to be yeah. won overall? Yeah. You're going to know probably if you're a head coach, 45, 50 of your 53 man roster. By now, you would know that by this stage, and it's just one or two players on the edge. What a lot of these players, to me, are playing for, and we saw this um, in last year's um, hard knocks thing with the Bucks. The two or three players who are on the bubble of training squads, you know, they're the ones that are trying to shine because what you want to do is rack up good time yeah. because the inevitable injuries will come, and you want to be able to send your, you know, your tape in to say, you know, I'm the man for next man up. Actually, yeah. I've got. I know what the most interesting part about August is. It's researching your fantasy draft. That is the only interesting <laughs> thing about the NFL just now. And do not ever base it on what they're doing in preseason games. No, it's it's the last thing you ever need to do is pick the hottest running back from from preseason. He'll never be seen again. I think you touched upon the most interesting time of of this year is the position battles that you don't really see at the forefront. It's the guys who might get cut and might not. But unless you're watching hard knocks. You're not going to know who these guys are, really. So it's it's not that interesting to a wider public. It's just if you kind of know the minutiae of everything going on. Yeah, no, I mean, you get quite in-depth reports on the training camps and mm-hmm. the, the, the amount of access that they get to them and then they'll break down stuff like that. But it's really hard to get terribly excited about it because you're essentially just getting it told through the eyes of one or two and reporters who are along. Yeah, it's just usually just two names on yeah. a bit of like on a screen or a bit of paper. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, and it's also interesting, if you look at teams' social media, everything's positive, you know, we had a great camp today, you know, I mean, and, you know, you, I watched some footage of the Steelers, you know, the crowds there, and big Ben Stroy, oh, it was a tremendous camp, nobody has a bad camp, you know, I mean, it, or it very rarely seems to be the case. Nobody treats it like Wraith Rovers Twitter, where they just give up. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one thing, actually, if we're bringing it back to football over here, is that I'm so pleased that we don't do it, because at this time of year, you get all these uh, videos on social media, Odell Beckham's just made a great catch in training. We don't get that. So, uh, you know, Scott Brown's just putting a beast of a tackle during training session at Celtic today. 
because it's not oh. interesting. It's not relevant. You do but, every but, so often. It's yeah, like yeah. that was that was the worst content ever. Hearts yeah. <laughs> did a video of a save today, and you're like, nah, <laughs> nah, no, not really interested. I save. Nah, nah. I think I think I could have saved it, and that's saying something. <laughs> I mean, the graphic of the day from the Scottish football point of view was somebody had taken Rangers six, Hibs one. <laughs> scored out the six, put a zero, scored out the six Rangers scorers and just put Hibs score goal by Scott Allen pass, which I thought was brilliant. So if, if you've not seen that, check it out. A little, little bit crossing over. I mean, we are, but, yeah. the, but this is it. I, I mean, the message is people in glass houses well, shouldn't really throw stones. This is, yeah. That's probably the problem that the NFL has compared to some other sports because in uh, football, like our football, we don't have that because we're too busy still talking about transfers and stuff mm. through the summer months where it's, so there's a, a good distraction that the, especially for people like us, like content producers, it's very handy to have that. NBA is pretty much an all-year-round sport now in terms of when they have their trades and their free agency and their draft. I mean, there's only a wee bit now. It's a bit of downtime when it's like summer league and stuff. But even then, because it's like slightly more competitive in pre-season mm-hmm. the NFL, it is a bit more interesting. It's usually the younger players coming in the league. The NFL just has this period where just pretty much nothing happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I like Jamie's idea. We, we should put out a poll, what is more boring, pre-season or the Pro Bowl? I think that would be a really close close one. Right, we'll do that this week. It's got to be the Pro Bowl, surely. <laughs> <laughs> so that just leaves us time then to remind you once again about our week one live event, which is taking place at the Golf Tavern in Edinburgh on Sunday, the 8th of September. We've already confirmed Cam Craig, who played offensive line for the Carolina Havoc over in Arena Football in America. He will be there with us, as will Charles Patterson. He'll be part of the panel. Uh, Charles, semi-regular on the podcast. We've still got one guest announced, hopefully we're still finalising the details of all that, so that'll come out as soon as we can talk about it. But, Paul, we've already sold a whole load of tickets. It's sure to be another really good event. It's brilliant. I mean, what a great chance to come and hear a guy who, you know, played football in this country, went across, you know, got a chance over and, you know, initially Las Vegas fell through and then in Carolina. To, so to come and talk to us about all of that, you know, you hopefully do a little bit technical demonstration work. I think we're going to try and get him to take out Charles Patterson, which <laughs> which will be fine, so we'll do that as well. Um, and just, you know, a chance to take, you know, questions from the floor. We've got a couple of wee videos up our sleeve as well. So lots of things in the planning stage, so it's, it's looking pretty good. Yeah, we actually, off air last week after we finished recording, Charles did say on the back of my um, I'll grow my beard as long as Fitzmagic if he gets the Dolphins to the playoffs, Charles did say that if the Bears beat the Packers on the Thursday night game, he will square up one-on-one with Cam and see if Cam can push him over. I'm looking forward to that immensely, I have to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it should be good. If you can, grab your tickets. They are, they are on sale now. Uh, it's going to be another fun event then. Absolutely. Loads of uh, great items already bought and snapped up with the money for us to give away on the night. Um, thank you to everybody that took part in our giveaway on Sunday. Uh, just past there, uh, we had t-shirts from Sainsbury's to clothing, which were really popular. Uh, just to mention as well that Sainsbury's are going to be donating some more items for us to give away week one. So that's absolutely brilliant. If you want to see their full range, actually go to Argos is the best place to see it. Search for NFL. You'll see the full range of all of the clothes there. They've got a new range for this season. They've also got a number of their t-shirts from last year pretty much every single team is represented so there'll be something on there for you they've also got caps and beanies as well so thank you to two clothing who are going to be donating some of, uh, stuff for that uh, and that concludes everything then for episode 61 we hope you've enjoyed listening again we'd love to hear your feedback good and bad make sure that you follow us on twitter at scotland nfl and on facebook www.facebook.com forward slash scotland nfl Thanks to all of you who've been listening, sharing and chatting about the podcast. We continue to see the numbers grow each and every week. Please do keep sharing the podcast with all your NFL friends. Continue to know. Let us know what you think. Make sure that you get your tickets for our live event in Edinburgh. Check out our Twitter and Facebook for all the details. We've already got some amazing prizes, as we mentioned, and there's a load more on the way. Yeah, my wife is unhappy with the amount of luggage I brought back from the States. Anyway, Jamie and Craig, thank you both very much for joining us for all your input today. Remember, check us out on Twitter every Sunday ahead of the season. More great prizes to give away each week. We'll be back next week as we look to another division in the next round of our pre-season previews. But until then, bye for now. Thank you.